Folks, this is Tim Hunter, and let me introduce you to Jack Shoulder, the director of The Hidden. Jack, hello. Hi, Tim. Uh, okay, well, the script actually, the original script opened up with, with uh, Beck, the Michael Nuri character, finding uh, a, uh, a going into a, uh, an apartment where Jack DeVries lived and finding uh, the previous guy that they were looking for, finding his body decomposing. And then it cuts t to the bank, and th there's a whole fairly elaborate bank robbery where Jack DeVries uh, has two partners who end up getting killed and uh, so on and so forth. And, and, you know, it was like a three-page scene. And uh, it was finally decided, not by me, to cut it, although I didn't fight it too hard. They said, well, you know, we've got so much action here, and we've all seen bank robberies, and it's just another thing. And then I thought, well, gee, maybe a really interesting way to open the film would be that the bank robbery has just ended. You see this guy walking out of a bank. Um, uh, a guard comes out after him. The guy just turns around with a shotgun and blows the guy away, gets into a car, and takes off. Um, it's kind of like a, like a Joseph Losey opening. Uh, I don't know whether you remember accident. There's just like a shot and you just hear this accident happening in the distance. So I got this idea. Well, what if we have a main title sequence and what if we just plant this camera as if it's one of these bank surveillance cameras and I'll do the whole thing in one shot. So, uh, so they loved it. So uh, actually we, we shot it in a, a bank right across from Grauman's Chinese Theater that was closed. Uh, we actually mounted a video camera. I rehearsed the whole thing with all the extras about you know six or seven times to get all the timing perfect. Actually, we 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 filmed it with a video recorder and then had the camera in a tented thing actually filming a TV screen. And and so that's that's how that opening sequence came about. The Ferrari. Uh, in in the script, it, it was a Ferrari, and at one point they wanted us to consider using another kind of car because Ferraris were too expensive. Like, how about a, uh, a, a Corvette? Well, first of all, a Corvette has a fiberglass body, so it doesn't dent. And second of all, I thought the idea for Ferrari and crashing Ferraris just gave it something special and fought very, very hard for that and uh, managed to uh, uh, do it. Now, as far as this car chase goes, I was responsible for shooting about, I would say, one quarter to one third. I did not shoot this whole car chase. I storyboarded it. I chose the um, the the uh, second unit directors, uh, stunt coordinator. Um, I, uh, as as I discussed, I I had this this concept based on. Um, my study of chases that the best way to film a chase was was to try to keep as much car to car as as I could so that you'll notice that that a large portion of the car chase is with cameras mounted on cars or moving in one way or another which which gives it the, that that tremendous kind of energy uh, there's the old wheel shot. Um, 
Now, now actually, the, 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 the whole chase was supposed to be done on Wilshire Boulevard. We scouted Wilshire Boulevard, and I, I kept saying to the location manager, you sure we can shoot on Wilshire Boulevard? And I said, oh, no problem. Anyway, when it came time to start to shoot, it turns out we couldn't shoot on Wilshire Boulevard. And so a large portion of the chase was shot in MacArthur Park. Uh, so that a lot of my storyboards went out the window, um, but uh, the 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 general concept of, of how to shoot it held up, and of course we went through. Uh, yeah, that's him, all right. That's uh, the the chase was a little too long, and, and it diluted some of its power, so we had to shorten the the chase. Okay, now now we get to part two of the chase. Now this part, I filmed all of this uh, myself. Uh, we start with a wide shot, one of the few wide shots, just to get back into the chase. And here we are back car to car. I think we're going down. Ah, the glass gag. Now I didn't film this, but this is an extraordinary gag. I mean, the guy who takes that hit, I mean, stuntmen talk about that. That's, it was quite a, uh, an astounding gag. No kidding. Go get out the crane here for this uh, shot of uh, the uh, police barricade. That's really good. This is a very hard shot to do, to make one of these things look original. That's a really nice shot. It's a film that uh, on Yucca, Yucca near Gower, which, uh, uh, which is a great location because it's close to where I live, among other things. Oh uh, yeah, see now here's uh, here's something that, that that I really like. I mean, where he says, uh, "How long, Sandy?" He says, "Well, I wouldn't go for coffee." I mean, that's that's the the kind of wonderful dialogue that Jim has throughout this that that really endeared me to the script. Well, we have Chris Mulkey here as the first, uh, first uh, visible right. incarnation of the alien. People ask me about the Ferraris. Uh, did we actually really wreck a real Ferrari? Uh, the answer to that is uh, yes. We Actually what happened was our transportation coordinator got four Ferraris, and um, one of which was just the shell, which, which we blow up. Uh, one of which was in actually pretty good condition, and the other two were not quite so good and not very good at all. And we used the, the four for this uh, sequence for various uh, states of uh, messing them up. Um, and now you've got one of the nice things that's, it's, that's again a bit of a surprise when uh, Chris Mulkey gets out of the car and just starts laughing. Uh, again, uh, uh, one of the key factors of, of this alien is that he can't be killed, except 
by Kyle McLaughlin's weapon, by the, the special weapon that, that Lloyd has. X-rays, huh? Detective Beck, no one deserves to die like that. I don't care what the man's done. He killed 12 people, wounded 23 more, stole six cars, most of them Ferraris, robbed eight banks, six supermarkets, four jewelry stores, and a candy shop. Six of the ones he killed, he carved up with a butcher knife. Two of them were kids. He did all that in two weeks. If anybody deserves to go that way, sure in the hell was him. <laughs> ah, so here, here we are in the police station. You'll see it's various shades of green. Is it a set or a practical location? Uh, this is, a, well, both. Uh, this is filmed at the Lincoln Heights Jail. Uh, and what we did was we basically used the Lincoln Heights Jail as a uh, as a as a studio. Uh, we found some raw space and built the police station into uh, some raw space in the Lincoln Heights Jail. Very depressing place, the Lincoln Heights Jail. I don't know whether you've ever filmed there. I watched Jonathan Kaplan film a Jim Brown picture called The Slams there, actually, and it was very depressing. It's a lot of lot of ghosts. Uh, a clue Gulliger uh, was in um, uh, Elm Street 2, and I, I'm very fond of Clue. Yeah, I'm Masters. Who are you? Lloyd Gallagher, FBI. What can I do for you? Following a suspect, I need some local law enforcement help. I'm very fond of the wardrobe that, uh, that uh, Kyle wears. It's this kind of neutral grayish suit, very kind of characterless. Um, I know Kyle said that one of the things that he did was um, to play this as if he had a mask on. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm probably not quite doing justice to what he said, but that there was a mask on it that hid that hid his emotions, which would then come out in in, in various ways. But he he held a lot back uh, uh, so that when it came out but but there, but there was a lot a lot in there. there's a great sense of sorrow I mean it's a very tragic character um, in in Jim's script he had lost his wife um, in when I added the little girl he lost his wife and his child which is m much more heartbreaking uh, and 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 uh, Kyle always carried this sense of, of uh, sorrow and tragedy with him in this character. It's, a, it's a really a wonderful character. Um, a great sense of control. Another thing, uh, in the original script, uh, there were a lot of cops. There were a lot of different cops. There were probably twice as, as many. Uh, and both for reasons of, of, of economy, but also for reasons of storytelling. Uh, I cut down the number of cops to about half um, and then tried to get some kind of camaraderie like a, the little scene where they toss the uh, 
the the paper into the basket. In terms of storytelling, this is the first time that we tell the audience that uh, something can happen here. I mean, at, at this point, all they know is there's this crazy guy, and he's been driving around, and all this stuff has been happening, and he doesn't seem to care whether he lives or he dies. Now, and, and now you, you kind of get the sense that something else is going on here. Um, I think that the dummy for for the old guy is is more successful. The the one of Chris Mulkey, you can you can kind of tell that it's a dummy. Uh, even though the the eyes are animated, you can see some movement around the eyes. But pretty, but, pretty damn good. But 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 the Bill Boyette dummy there. Uh, I mean there are. Uh, uh, some shots where it's the real guy and some shots where it's the dummy and you absolutely cannot tell. No, it's great. I mean, it's it's perfect. Uh, and now this scene where they wake him up, this is this is one of the hazards of, of low-budget filming, which is it's hard to get good, like, really minor characters. And the, 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 the fellow who plays the doctor and the woman who played the nurse are just atrociously bad actors. I mean, it's like horribly B-type actors. Um, I would, at, at this point, whatever I was doing, I would not accept actors of that quality. But um, I don't know, it, 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 it is a very B-movie that sort of rises above being a B-movie. Um, This, uh, this guy's a good actor, the guy who plays the doctor. Uh, this office is a, is, is a little set that, uh, that we built. Uh, works, works quite well. Again, you'll notice no blue. And uh, here we are in a record store on uh, on Melrose. I mean, this this really is a kind of like a, a punk rock uh, record store. We didn't have to do very much decorating. Stupid or something? Yo, I'm talking to you, Wang. I said I'm. Uh, and I hear sort of one of those uh, scenes that that I really in, enjoy because there are these sort of people who give you a hard time in stores and you've always wanted to like club them to death and, and so here's, here was my opportunity in which to, to, uh, to uh, do it. All right, now here's, here's a Bill Boyette and he's opening this cash register but he doesn't quite know how to do it and, and again he's, he's kind of, you know, he's, he's figured things out. All right, now, now I don't know whether anybody gets it that he sees this poster with a with a boombox and these two cool guys, and he kind of wants to be cool, but but he's not. Uh, 
Uh, now, actually, when when this was filmed, I think a lot of it was sort of state of the art. I mean, it's it's since the state of the art has has gone beyond it. Like I think the the car chase was was really one of the the best car chases done. I mean, when you've got films like Speed and things like that, I I I, I think it's been technically superseded. Um, also, um, you've got uh, um, MTV. Uh, and you know everybody's filming with real wide lenses and low angles and and going much lower and going much wider and doing all that doing all that kind of stuff but at at the time that I did this y you didn't see very much of this in 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 uh, feature films um, not not much at all uh, production designer Mick and CJ Strawn um, uh, talking about the uh, production design, uh, Mick is a wonderful builder, and his his sister CJ uh, is a great kind of scenic, great great sense of color and everything. And uh, one of the things that she dictated was that she felt there should be no blue in the film. Uh, that she wanted to keep things the the colors kind of slightly uncomfortable, and felt that blue was too comfortable. So. Uh, if you look at the film, there's, there's, except unintentionally, there's, there's no blue. Uh, none of the sets have, have any blue in them. I actually had a shot that was, that was very complicated, and the TP suggested just doing it handheld because you're limited with space. Because uh, if you it, it, it pulls him in, it's a two shot with the body, it becomes a three shot, and then we we uh, pan around. Apparently she came in right after that. Right, this character takes us into a, a, a two shot with with Beck, with, with Lloyd, and then Beck takes us into a tighter two shot. Now, uh, if I if I'd known more about it, I, I I would have used the Steadicam, but I don't think I knew enough about it, and I I don't even you know it was an exotic thing at that point, and not too expensive. Um, all right, now here's a, here's an interesting uh, scene. I see there's that that close up of 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 Kyle. This is um this is the first shot that we did. This is the very first shot of the movie. And uh, we were setting it up and, and and I was talking about casting Kyle. And uh, that he looked kind of you know, he's he's not exactly Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let's let's put it that way. Um and I was a little worried about my decision to um cast him because he uh, you know he's not a real strong looking guy um i set up the shot and he, and he stood there and i was going to look and i said eh. and i looked through the camera and he looked much much better and i it was almost shocking i took my eye off the camera and looked at him again and then looked through the lens and he looked different and he looked better he looked stronger it it seemed to focus his looks and i've 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 had that experience with, you know, other actors. I mean, that's why people are are movie stars. That it is absolutely and true that 
when you look at them through the lens, they get bigger, they get better. Uh, you know, most of us, it's like, you know, we look in the mirror and say, ah, I'm, I'm okay looking, I'm not that great looking. And then, you know, you're at a party and somebody takes a picture of you and shows it to you and you're horrified at how ugly you are. But, you know, these people, it's, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> All right, now here's the thing where uh, it was important, by the way, to, to, to set up this shot where Kyle gets into the car that I had to set it up so we didn't see what the car was that he got into. And it, it, it actually wasn't as easy as you would think so that you could then cut around to reveal the, the Porsche and, and Michael Nouri's uh, reaction to the whole thing, which is very funny. I mean... Uh, when I started to work with with Michael for the first few days, um, I mean, I was thinking this guy's like Cary Grant. He's good looking, he's smart, he's funny. Um, uh, why isn't this guy the biggest star in in, in Hollywood? And you don't know. Unfortunately, I I found out we we had some personality problems. Oh yeah, here's a, here's a fun a fun scene in the in the uh, in the the uh, coffee shop. I mean, this is this is one of those shots that I kind of figured out beforehand, as you can tell, where everybody's staring. And you don't know what they're staring at, you know. And then you finally see Jonathan P. Miller uh, eating and belching away, and got the boombox going. And now, of course, you have to realize that this character is 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 Chris Mulkey, is the dog. It's the same exact guy. So his actions um, are, are are the same. Um, and now, of course, uh, all right. Now, now we have this this uh, TV thing here. Um, now, when I reread the original script, he was the vice president, and now he's the senator. And to tell you the truth, I'm not exactly quite certain why I made him went from the vice president to senator. Uh, I guess if he's a senator, he's. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, I, 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 I take that back. In in the original f script. He's the vice president, which means he's next in line to be president. Um, and in the script, he gets onto a plane and flies back to Washington. He's not killed or anything like that. Um, uh, here, we could uh, I, I made him into a candidate for the presidency so that he's close to being the president and, 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 and you know, gave him the line where he said, I, I want to be president, you know, which, which he says earlier and then the alien then, of course, repeats it because he's trying to copy what it means to be human, you know, what those human beings do. And now, of course, um, the alien has gone into a body that's, that's in pretty bad shape. I mean, the guy was on a respirator in the hospital, and the, the alien was able to basically reanimate it, but, 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 I mean, the idea is that he's like, it's like the alien has sort of gotten into a broken down car. Uh, this this scene here was was also on the first day. It, it probably should have told me I was going to have a problem. I I had this idea, just in terms of a character thing. I mean, here's this 
L.A. cop who's tough, your typical tough L.A. cop kind of thing. And this guy comes in from out of town who, who nominally is, knows more than him, has more authority, and is kind of taking over, which Beck resents. So I thought that an interesting way to stage this would be to always have Lloyd walking away from him so that Beck has to follow him, which pisses him off. Uh, well, Michael Nori didn't want to do that because he felt that it, it made his character appear weak. And so he didn't want to have to follow him. He, he, he wanted to walk ahead and have Lloyd follow him, you know, which I don't know how much it had to do with the character and how much it had to do with the actor. But anyway, we sort of worked on it for about an hour or so, and, and, and finally I managed to, to get it to work out the way that I wanted. Uh, now, Jonathan Miller shows up at a Ferrari dealership, and this actually was a, a Ferrari Lamborghini dealership, which, which we were able to use. I mean, they had some, some pretty fancy cars. A couple of good actors here, right? Jimmy Louisi, the guy who plays the sleazy, uh, uh, the uh, the sleazy Ferrari dealer, uh, very good actor. Um, uh, a little funny story here. We Joe Dante had directed it. It would be Dick Miller in this part. Uh, uh, and and also the other guy, guy a guy in the white suit whose name escapes me is also also quite good here. But um, we were we were casting this, and at one point we got the idea that 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 uh, there are a lot of um, uh, Iranians who drive these kinds of cars, and 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 it might be fun to kind of go th that way. So the 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 casting director brought in some um, uh, uh, Arab American types to. Uh, Try out for the role, and and this this one guy came in who, I guess, had recently come over, who who kind of like looked like you're, like a Bedouin, um, and it said in the script, uh, he snorts cocaine, and when it got to that line, I I guess his English wasn't good enough to understand the colloquialism, so he started just snorting like he started snorting like a pig, just thinking that, that it was snorting sound. Which, uh, of course, had us in, in total. You know, it was like one of those times when you're sort of like biting your hand to keep from laughing in, in, in an actor's face. What was that? Uh, here's here's something that uh, um, people can can uh, who work for you can uh, contribute. I mean, one of the things that I feel my job is is to get everybody ticking to the same clock, so that I. You know, hopefully hire good, talented, creative people, and then let them know what I'm doing. Give them the the the, the basic idea, philosophy, you know, what have you, of, of where I'm heading, and then and then turn them loose. And the the prop guy came up with this little Ferrari that was where he could fill the back up with coke, and it's 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 a wonderful prop. I mean, it it, it really just it, it gets a laugh. It, it it adds to the scene, and you know, it's it's uh, somebody who is just really sharp. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it was proper or the set decorators, but I mean, whoever it was, you know, somebody had a just a really smart idea. Thank you. Bye. 
I heard before I came up. I don't. I don't know. We had some kind of great song here, and this is you know one of those cover songs. All right, now here's a scene which I which I which I really like, where I really worked with these guys and got Richard Whittaker to help with the dialogue. I just think it's got a good, real cop feel, and also you can see with that wide-angle lens and the the way everything's just kind of uh, set up nicely. I'm, I'm very pleased with the way this scene works. Reminds me of the uh, analogous scene in Touch of Evil, actually, the police procedural scene in the Mexican kid's apartment. Uh huh. That master. All right, here's a, a want and a felony warrant. So it probably said in the script an APB. Uh, so now what? Now we have Beck starting to buy in. He's not quite sure what Lloyd's doing, but he's he's buying in. Right now, here we are. We're on Rodeo Drive, and actually, if you stop and notice, the guy in the in the uh, silver Mercedes. Uh, is actually Bob Shea, the president of New Line Cinema, trying to pick up the girl. Now, now again, I don't know whether this is clear, but, but he kind of looks at the girl and points his finger at the girl, and the girl gets in the car and he gives her a kiss. So, again, in, in terms of learning what it means to be human. So here, Jonathan Miller sees these two girls, and he does the same thing. Of course, it doesn't, doesn't work as well. So they say fuck off. So, as Kyle said earlier, something gets in his way, he kills it. All right, now this is a little, a little kludgy where he, he finds his business card and goes to this place called Anchor Imports. Uh, this is another thing where we kind of uh, shortcut uh, the script. In the script, he actually goes back to the guy's mansion. The, the guy who's bu buying the Ferrari has a, has a Beverly Hills mansion. And uh, he goes back, and, and it was quite a lengthy scene. Here we have the scene of the two guys in the car. I mean, this is a scene, I think we shot this on the second day. This is the scene that we auditioned them on. Uh, felt it was a really key scene. Uh, and these guys just nailed it in the audition. When it came time to shoot it, it was kind of late in the day, and kind of been rushed, and they, they had a hard time doing it. Um, and we only were able to film one side of it. We couldn't get the reverse angle, so I, I swore that I'd come back and not just do the reverse angle, but redo the whole scene because you know they'd, they'd be more comfortable and more into it. And uh, I was able to then film the other side, but I didn't have the time to come back and, and get Michael Norrie's side, and so we we kept carrying it. And things between Michael and and myself got kind of worse and worse. Um, but I kept telling him, I promised him that what I would, would redo do? the scene, and Is we'd carry it, we'd put it on the board, and then things would come up, and we wouldn't be able to do it. Finally, the very last day of shooting, I got it on the board, and we kept it on the board, and we actually filmed it. Uh, uh, so here we are at, at, at Anchor Imports, and I'm, I'm, uh, uh, this was a, uh, a set that we built, and I'm, I'm, And here's, a, um, I mean, here's part of his, uh, uh, just in terms of what it means to be human, that's, that's what this whole sequence for me is all about. I mean, you know, he's looking 
at a breast, it's 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 not really sexual. It's it's uh, 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 what is it now? This is great. Yeah. Uh, and now here's this dopey country western song. But what we really had in here, that he turns on and he smashes the thing, was it was a Frank Sinatra song, and he listens to to Frank Sinatra singing my way or one of those things and smashes it which is a lot more subtle than this this song that anybody would uh, smash I, I mean you know if you're a punk rocker you know at least at that point frank sinatra wasn't going to do it for you oh yeah so now see he's he's uh, he's going into this body but he hasn't even really looked it over yet uh, so here he's kind of like what is this thing that i'm in and and i mean this is and and uh, uh, shooting this with the mirrors, this is this this sense of of, of real mind body alienation. Uh, this guy's just great. Yeah. But the, the 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 body's just kind of conking out here. Uh, now this is sort of a gratuitous special effect here. I mean, I mean the idea of uh, seeing these 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 veins. I mean the the creature is inside him, animating him, but um, it wouldn't really want to come out. Uh, it was just one of those things. It it was in the script where it was just a kind of a weirdness about it that that just appealed to me. Um, in other words, because why the body would be fighting the alien inside when, in fact, the alien is controlling the body. Uh, but it's fun. It's fun, fun filmmaker, a little bit of a, sho uh, a shock. I, I, I also love the fact of him just taking this, this wrapping tape and mm -hmm. taping the whole shut in What's his arm. What's the idea that the body's trying to expel the creature? Something the like that. Tentacle coming out of the arm? Well, something like that to... Uh, to be honest, I, I I never felt it had a great logic to it, but I just liked it, and it just seemed like like it was kind of fun. It it always struck me as as not quite fitting in. And here's a, here's another nice. Uh... All right, now this whole thing with the flamethrower, which which sets up the flamethrower at the end of the movie. Uh, uh, was added by by me. Um, Get two units out to his home and to his office right away. Sanchez, homicide. Charlotte. Beck, fingers should work. Well, at the end of the picture when he incinerates the senator, was that scripted no. that he did it with the flamethrower? No. No, the senator got into a plane and left, and there was no. It just ended ambiguously like that. What are you doing for dinner? This is, this with is the alien look. in him? The yeah, senator left? Yes. The senator leaves with the alien in him, and, 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 and that's. And then it goes to the scene in the hospital room. Oh, so the alien gets away in the, the script? The alien gets away in the script. And we felt that we needed to somehow resolve it, and that it would be a good thing to see the alien get zapped by the good guys. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where the audience would cheer and everything. Well, that's what probably got. How pissed off in the beginning, but that's a real kind of writer's thing, you know. Yeah. You want your your dark, ambiguous ending, and 
Yeah, well, that's certainly something that, that uh, I just the sort I know of thing God that Jim writers like that wrecks a picture. Yeah, I, uh, yes. Uh, now here's here's a wonderful scene. This is, I mean, this is one of those moments where I was really deeply moved by 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 Kyle. I mean, because you've only seen him in action. You've never really seen him by himself, and now here he is, and he's. It's a kind of a mirror scene to the scene with Jonathan Miller in that Anchor Imports place. Because, again, there's the mirror. And, I mean, when he looks at himself, I, I just find it's, it's, it's a, uh, a, a, a really terrifically emotional moment. And he also puts his hand on his face in the same way that Jonathan Miller does. And... Um, you know, this was my way of saying these two guys are really related, yet yet they're totally different. I I, I just love this scene. I, I also love love Michael Compertino's music here. I think it's I think it's it's very affecting. Um, I just think he's his performance is, is extraordinary uh, in that in that moment. Okay, now here here we come to an interesting situation um, uh, since I, I I always have seen myself as as basically a humanist director I mean one of my very very favorite filmmakers is Jean Renoir possibly my very favorite and you know uh, certainly he's he's one of the great humanist filmmakers and um, in the original script Beck was married but did not have a child he was married, and he kind of had this kind of slightly flip relationship with his wife, kind of, you know, uh, uh, in, in keeping with the tone of the rest of the story. And I felt that it was really important for that relationship to have more substance to it. And I, uh, and I, I actually did do the rewrites on the script, or polishes, whatever. I mean, I, you know, I didn't do an enormous amount of work on the script. Uh, but I did the work that needed to be done. And I was trying to think of a way to make the relationship between Beck and his wife stronger. And with the time allotted, it didn't seem that there was that much time to really bring it out. And I, I got this idea that if they had a child, that somehow that would make the whole thing a lot stronger, uh, just by that very fact. And so I, I added the little girl, and then I got the whole thing that Lloyd lost his daughter, and that the, the, the idea that, that the child can see things that the adults can't, that when she looks at him, she recognizes that he's special, that he's different and special in a way, and when he sees her, he sees well, his uh, daughter, and that's really the emotional core of the, of the film. And I, I always felt the scene that, that this whole section in the house was the key to making the film work because if the film dropped dead at this point then uh, you'd have this terrible lull in the middle of the film and if it worked then it would keep things going and you'd have all this character stuff. I mean the scene at the dinner table I thought was really the toughest scene because you wanted the audience to really be with that scene as opposed to, oh, now we have to take time out for the character bullshit. Uh, and, and I feel it's very successful. And, and I think the stuff with the daughter, like 
Uh, there's a line where he says, do you love your daughter? Uh, uh, which always gets a laugh, but it's a, it's a kind of a nice laugh. And, and, and Beck says, why? Don't, don't people where you come from love their daughters? But uh, Jim Cowell's line was, do you, do you love your wife? But, but do you love your daughters? It's, it's, a, it's a better line. Uh -huh. uh, and also, uh, when he says, your daughter is... And I, I think when I wrote it, I, I had him say, very pretty, or something like that. And when we got there, it, it never quite yes, felt right. And we, we came up with, with lines, and, 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 and he ends up saying, your daughter's special. And I know there's a lot of ambiguity, because you know people are wondering you know, what's going on between him and the little girl. And I think that, that that's OK. Uh, I mean, my idea was that the little girl sees who he is, and he sees that the little girl recognizes that, and he sees her purity. Because, you know, again, you know, what it means to be human, learning what that means, and he sees, you know, there's this innocence, there's this purity in, in a human being um, that he's very, very drawn to that, that, that ultimately will lead him at the very end of the film to make this great sacrifice. Uh, Now, there's one of my favorite actresses. <laughs> Claudia Christian, yes. Wild girl. A lot of fun to work with. She's pretty game for anything. Uh, she worked this whole strip dance out by herself. Uh, actually, the the original, uh, she had a Tina Turner song. Um, I uh, forget which one it was, but... Uh, it was a real good, good Tina Turner thing, which we had to throw out and put put this one in there, you know, which which works. But it would it would have been a great uh, a great score if we'd been able to get it. Yeah. Now here's here's a fun thing. I mean, he's just sitting there bleeding away, you know, oblivious to um, anything but his own needs. So here's here's another one of these little moments where, where in the bar he's just looking down at his hand, you know, like, well, what is this? And then he looks at the stripper and, what is this? Now, of course, he's actually more taken with the money in her g-string, uh, but she looks like she's having fun and. So, since he feels his body's going, he's kind of got ulterior motives on, on her. Oh, you got some kind of fake bra on in this? Yes. Actually, uh, it's not all her. All right, now here we go. This is, I, I, um, we filmed this on Las Palmas Boulevard, in, uh, or Las Palmas uh, Avenue in, in, in Hollywood.
But it's so nice to see this letterboxed. Is this the, it's 185? It's, it's, it's 185, and, and I actually supervised the letterboxing because um, there was a, a letter, uh, I actually did a slight amount of reframing here and there. I love this 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 gag with the uh, with the Alka Seltzer. Um, it's a nice payoff later. When yeah, with the, the, the aspirin in the water. Yeah. Yeah. I don't exactly remember how this worked in the original script, but it 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 was a lot more complicated. This is this is pretty pretty direct here. He just comes in. Uh, he sees what what he wants, and Please. there's a nice music cue hey, here. Robbie! Robbie! Back on the crane. Uh, again, our, our our costume designer came through in spades with this outfit uh, with a little rear-end cleavage uh, great costume and uh, I love I love these these <laughs> these these two like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern here that, that just kind of happen onto this uh... I remember that bookstore yeah arrow <laughs> uh, well actually uh, the art department came and dressed all the windows on the street comes out right over there in that lot she she does it particularly well what are you saying yeah baby come on well well what do we got here huh been a long time since we've seen one of these really all right so here's here's another example of of not using the cutaway It's another good, good bit of, you know, Richard, Richard Whittaker helping with the dialogue. Ed O'Ross is especially good at that cop dialogue. That Cadillac was painted that particular shade of green by our art department, keeping keeping up with with the green motif. 
All this sound, by the way, was, was added in post-production. But it uh, works quite well. You never know it. And now here's a cover song for whatever we had in here that actually works well. You make you don't make me feel like I'm a woman anymore. And feel looks in the mirror and feels, gee, what are these? I can have fun with this. She feels her breasts. Again, what it what it means to be human. That's beautiful was my my girlfriend at at the time. I actually turned her into a stripper. Sorry, it's been a hell of a night. Are you okay? Can you tell me what you saw? I saw Brenda walk out of my way. I screamed in the cops came. You ever seen this guy before? You sure you never seen this guy? Look, I know Brenda. No way she'd have anything to do with a creep like that. Back. What? You do this a lot, pull back to an over or have somebody step into an over in one of your 18 millimeters, and it's nice because an over traditionally is just an over to a one person or two people, but you always do an over to a wide shot, which the 18 millimeter gives you a chance to do. So it makes a shot intimate and at the same time takes in the world. It's very nice. Again, all that cop dialogue, I think, works works great. Uh, out in the parking lot. In a span of 12 hours, I've got five bodies. Not counting Miller, who dies because he runs out of blood. A stripper screws some guy to death, steals his car, and takes off. All of this in 12 hours. I want to ask you, am I crazy? This kind of expository recap, I think, is good for the script. It's very reassuring to the audience. Oh, we're here? Yeah, you know, to keep cataloging it, it's very reassuring to an audience because it shows the audience that they're thinking the same thing that they were thinking. And oh, you know what though? I I think that it goes on too long. This is this is one of those things that I I, I should have cut it off. I mean, the recap works. So if, if there's any, any similarity between uh, the first chase and this chase, uh, then that's, that's, that's me. The uh, cop on the screen left was actually our assistant director. Uh, we used a lot of interesting uh, weapons uh, in this. Uh, uh, she especially has uh, has some exotic ones. This 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 uh, shotgun uh, is can fire like eight eight rounds. It's uh, quite an interesting weapon. And uh, she has a, a Steyr Aug uh, 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 machine gun. Uh, 
All right, that's our assistant director, the cop who says shit. Uh, so here's the, uh, yeah, this this entire uh, thing was filmed in in one night, which is a lot of, a lot of work for one night. That shot of them looks like a camera car, but not towing them. Uh, it, or were you I don't. I don't know if it was mounted on the on the hood. Uh, you know what? Uh, it it was. It was mount. You bitch. It's definitely a camera car uh, that that we were shooting off of. Um, uh, by the way, my favorite chase was the French Connection. I thought that was the, the best chase, and that was virtually all car to car. Uh, you actually could uh, see the car going past one of our cones that we had to uh, control traffic mm -hmm. back there, but you have to be pretty pretty quick to spot that. This is one of those 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 fun uh, character scenes. I mean, it's, you know, it's the the dialogue, the situation, straight straight out of the uh, script. He, sa he says, uh, "Hold the wheel," and and just just nonchalantly sticks his head out out the window. And now, you know, as as usual, Beck has to uh, uh, compensate. Um, It's a wonderful shot of that that uh, hubcap blowing off. Yeah. All right. Now, now here we are in the mannequin warehouse. Now, in the original script, it was a shoe warehouse, and I I thought about it, and it seemed like a shoe warehouse didn't really give you very much, and I was trying to think of something that would um, uh, somehow help the the storyline, and I, I got the idea of, 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 of mannequins because, uh, I mean, this is a, a story about um, uh, creatures that, that use uh, basically dead, dead bodies which they animate and, 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 and use them to move around. And so the idea of these, these bodies without souls, these sort of representations mm -hmm. of, of bodies were a lot of fun. Now, uh, mannequins have been used in, in other movies. Um, like Edward's uh, experiment in terror comes to mind. Um, there was, uh, I'm trying to think of, I don't know. There was, there was some movie, and I, it, it, it escapes me right now. Some like, like film noir movie that that used mannequins. Um, that I uh, didn't want to imitate, but, but I finally figured that uh, it would be worth it because it, it just seemed to be right for the scene and. Uh, you know, shooting these these. Uh... Well, this shot coming up of uh, Kyle's head at the end of a deep focus row of mannequins is a very yeah. nice shot. And then, uh, uh, yeah. Now, I mean, here's here's a good lesson in in, in low budget filmmaking. Uh, we we did some research, and mannequins are quite expensive to buy or to rent. So, what our art department did was they bought like like about three or four mannequins and made molds. And then every weekend, the art department drones, and the people from the art department always seem to work harder than everybody. I mean, I think the, the production designer or the art director is usually the hardest working person on the whole show because they have to get all this stuff ready, and it's got to be ready, and it just seems like they have massive amounts of work to do, and somehow they always get it done. But, but they've come in every weekend, 
and they'd make these styrofoam mannequins. And they they cranked out like 200 mannequins and filled up an entire empty warehouse with these with these mannequin uh, with these you know false mannequin bodies. It's a pretty extraordinary job. Uh, now here's something in the in the original um, in the non-LumaVision version of this film in 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 the original and all other versions. Uh, 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 Beck says uh, she's been hit. Why doesn't she go down? As they run up the stairs, uh, uh, Beck says uh, she's losing blood. She can't. She can't go on for much longer. Something like that. And Lloyd says we have to get to her before she dies. And Beck says, why don't we wait till after she dies? And now uh, Michael Nori. Uh, really didn't want to say that because he felt it was a serious situation here and it was too jokey and I insisted he do it and, and actually what happened was they did it as they were going up the stairs and we didn't mic it right and so we came back and got the lines in post-production but it's always bothered me and, and he was actually right about that it's just too jokey so in this version I've actually taken those lines back out. This was shot at a place called the uh, Neptune uh, uh, the Neptune building down on uh, like 4th and Alvarado. Kind of an interesting old building. It's, it's since been completely uh, restored, but at, at the time that we used it, of course, it was completely empty. Uh, Right, right. Now here's an interesting gag where where he falls off 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 the uh, roof. Um, uh, obviously, we use the stunt man for the wide shot where you see him fall off the roof. There's a piece of pipe there that was like a, st a stanchion pipe that the stunt people put in, and then there was a uh, uh, a safety wire that went from the pipe through the jacket, and so the stunt man wouldn't wouldn't fall off. I mean, we had a real cowboy doing doing that one. I mean, this, this guy actually had stitches in the hand that he was holding on to the pipe with. And uh, I mean, he was, you know, he was willing to do it without the, the cable. I mean, he was really nuts. Uh, uh, he's actually the guy that did the fall off the roof, too. He you know, put on a dress and doubled Claudian did the fall off the roof. This is now one of the real key moments in the film. He keeps shooting her, shooting her, shooting her now, and then he pulls this weapon. This is one of the few times that I used a long lens and racked the focus onto the weapon. I think it's a really good moment. I'm, I'm very pleased with the way that works. Claudia is so great. I, 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 I Claudia, go, yeah. I, Claudia got, got this great idea for her dialogue when she says, uh, you think it's over now? I'm. I'm not coming at that. She said, since this thing is inside of me, why don't I play it as if it's starting to come up, up my throat and it's trying to get out, so I'm almost gagging while I, which I thought was a wonderful idea. 
And, and then what I did was that when we mixed it, I gradually uh, futzed her voice and deepened her voice as it, as it went on to get it, you know, weaker, because obviously it's the... Uh, now we get the, the uh, lieutenant and, and his dog. Now, in the original script, this is very complicated. There's a, there's a mutt that goes, and the mutt hitches a ride on the ambulance that takes the body, and then it turns out that Masterson has had a heart attack, and he's in the hospital, and the dog gets into mass. And it's just very, very complicated. Uh, uh, so here it's, it's, uh, it's, it's made fairly uh, simple. All right, so this is uh, this is really really good here. Uh, he he, uh, he runs down. He's in a panic, and and he looks at the body. He sees that that it's dead. So immediately he grabs Willis because he figures, gee, it's going into Willis. And then he looks, and of course he can tell, and that he doesn't see that it's the dog. But again, one of the few times that I used a really long lens, it's the dog's POV. It's the dog's POV, exactly. And. And using that long lens conveys the idea that it's the dog's POV. And there the dog does the little thing with, with the tongue. I love the dialogue for the coroner. Look, it's none of my business, but the lady had about 15 bullet holes in her. You guys like making my job miserable, huh, Beck? Um, and, and this also works out works out differently in the original script, too, because where um, uh, Lloyd, who is now shattered by the fact that he, he had it, he had the alien right there and couldn't get it, uh, and, and, and arrests him. It was a much more, it took two or three scenes for what happens in this one scene to happen. Uh, I mean, here's a case where I think that, that the cutting was, was uh, uh, a big help to the film here, you know, because it, it brings a whole lot of dramatic elements together. I mean, uh, you have this 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 character who's pretty unemotional, kind of Spock-like. Who, who's really in a state of despair now. Uh, I mean, just as opposed to that sadness that, 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 that kind of pervades him. I mean, uh, you really have the sense that he's, he's lost everything. another kind of shot that that uh, you'll find in a lot of my work where the person walks into a close-up in the in the wide angle back in the police station definitely on the 18 here
wasn't fine, somebody else would call you, wouldn't they? That's, that's something that, that you don't see very often. It's just a straight-in cut from a medium to a close-up. I mean, now you see that an awful lot when you look at older movies. Old pictures, yeah. They do that all the time. I mean, now it's like, you know, Beck's whole line is, you know, first this guy's annoying me, then what, this guy knows something that I don't know, then I'm suspicious, then I'm, then I'm getting to like him, uh, and, and now things just aren't adding up. You know, things are so weird that I just can't, can't deal with it, and, and now he finds out that the guy, the guy was an imposter, so it calls everything that he said into question. So, so now he has this... Uh, and here we have Brem. This this guy's wonderful in this scene. This guy's a really really good actor. You see him doing a ton of commercials now. Seattle FBI says Agent Lloyd Gallagher was killed in a forest fire about a month ago, with a friend of his named Stone, Robert Stone. They were hunting in Olympic National Forest the weekend they had that big forest fire. Bureau figured Stone was dead. Never found his body. Just figured it burned up in the fire. This is uh, you know one of these people that 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 uh, came in to read for the part and just say cast him. Let's stop right here. That's it. Evidently, Mr. Stone has taken over the identity of his dead friend. And uh, yet another shot where we avoid using a, a, a cutaway. If you don't need me, I'm going home. Rem? Good work. Right, yeah, so here's, I, I, here we come to the dog looking at himself in the mirror, wondering, what is this body that I'm in now? Uh, the dog's supposed to open the door by himself. A little, little bit of a cheat, but, but I think it, it works. Very, very good. I, I also, when I look at it again, I, I'm, I'm also pleased that the shot of Masterson walking out of his bedroom is, is shot. You don't see him. It's just shot from the feet, almost like it's the dog's POV, even though it's it's not. I mean, then then we have a little piece of, of the captain hitting his head, and then the the dog the dog looks at him. Does he does he do the thing with the tongue? You hold on him quite a bit here, so maybe he does. Yeah, there it is. There we go. Excuse me, Sarge. What do you want? You want me to stay? No. Crazy thing. I was starting to like you. Sit down. Check for the FBI in Seattle. Lloyd Gallagher is dead. Your real name is Robert Stone. Is that all we know about you? Uh, I, I, I also have to say that um, uh, I've I worked with some pretty good actors in my career, and I have to say that Kyle is one of the best. Um, the performance that he gave in, in this film is one of the best performances that I have ex experienced. I mean, there were moments when I was filming where I was very, very moved by, by what he was doing. Uh, quite an extraordinary performance. 
am tired of you jerking me around. I want answers. I want to know why it takes 15 shots to take down some zoned-out stripper. I want to know why three law-abiding citizens all of a sudden go crazy and start killing people. I want answers, and I want them now. Miller, stripper, DeVries were the same. And it's not human. Excuse me? I've been after it for a long time. Now it's here, on Earth, in your city. Oh, boy. Are we talking spacemen here? Excellent, Ryan. This it, it, it always gets a big laugh, but we're talking spacemen here. The wonderful line. Uses it to move around. Stays in that body until the body is so damaged it has to find another body. That's the only. It actually took a fair amount of of work to. I missed my chance when it came out. I mean, it's pretty pretty close to what Jim wrote, but just to kind of condense this and and get the essence of it. Um, but I don't have. I mean, we were writing it pretty much right up to the. Or just tinkering with it, I should say, up to the time where we did the scene. That's the only I know Ka was 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 very nervous about the scene. You know, he uh, he felt it was his big scene. You know, so I had to kind of tell him that it wasn't. One that you've been tracking for the past nine years. Uh, something we added was was that where he says you were time. Oh, so that's just just a nice little uh, thing. That's a terrific cut here, where it, uh, where he says a, a career in the police department didn't really prepare you for this, and you know then it then it cuts back. You think you're in the same place, and the bar closes. Mm -hmm. Works great. Um, and I, I actually have to say, it's exactly as it was in Jim's Calf script. And uh, now we have the scene where where he comes home. Now actually, there was a fair amount of dialogue. There was probably a good half a page of dialogue here, and. Um, uh, we don't really have any any dialogue. It's just played for the emotion and uh, much stronger. Again, there's a, a faint inspiration of uh, the the final shot in The Searchers. You know, where you're looking through the the doorway. Mm -hmm. We get that little emotional beat, and then uh, Beck lying in bed, wondering what the hell's going on. And now, now we're right back into it. I mean, you know, one of the things about this is is it definitely moves right along you, you, you never kept never kept hanging Uh, now, I don't know whether when he says, Holt, the one everyone applauds, whether you realize that, that when he was watching Holt give the speech in the coffee shop and he saw everyone applauding, but... It's a little obscure, but I think you get the idea, you know. Yeah. And here we have this this guy who's now going to test the weapon. Uh, uh, to to just talk about this 
this weapon, the, the uh, property master designed the weapon. You know, it was supposed to be a silvery kind of a weapon, but what it looked like was, was anybody's guess. Uh, and he came, and and he decided that it would be a weapon that would be used by a creature that had three fingers. And so he basically designed it that way. And it, it looked pretty good. It was made out of uh, plastic and it had a like silver paint on it that unfortunately never would dry on the plastic. And every time somebody would touch it, it would leave a fingerprint on it from this thing that was pristine from outer space. Uh, so that was uh, always a bit of a problem. Anyway, we somehow managed to, to, to get it. This is where Beck, I mean, Beck knows something's going on, but this is the moment of realization when he realizes that Masterson is not Masterson, that, that something's really going on. Uh, all of this uh, staging here, again, help from, from Richard, Richard Whitaker to kind of get all the, you know, the cop stuff, the way you hold your gun, um, the way you would approach these kinds of things. Uh, that's, that's a big help. I mean, since then, I've, 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 I've kind of learned how to do it, but... Richard Brooks, the guy who just got shot, another wonderful actor. That's that's Richard Whitaker, the the guy who says it's in my waistband, man. That that's our technical advisor. So here we are in, in the Lincoln Heights jail. Uh, this this guy who plays the jailers is is one of the few stuntmen who can actually act. Here we are in the Lincoln Heights jail, um, with a new coat of paint. But it's a grim, grim place. You're gonna need this. 
Okay, so now he says, so you're gonna need this. And now we show that the two guys were dollying and they're walking side by side. Jesus you know, they're, they're, they're now a team. love this this kind of casual way that he just kind of tosses the uh... Uh, there's a wonderful bit of dialogue here where he says uh, I says you're hit don't you feel pain and uh, and he says yes yes I do feel pain I mean before I kill you I'm curious how did you find me that's an angry partner for dead on out there a mistake. That's what it said. Either there's another person who's sort of been, been been made famous. The guy who says, "Yo, yo, hippie." He's a guy who spent about 20 years behind bars. One of the baddest dudes that you could ever meet. Who's now actually one of the nicest guys. I've I've used him in a few other movies. But Bye. Uh, this is also something that that uh, I believe we added was this uh, this law law's rocket. Now here's another scene that that um, I'm pretty sure was not in Jim's original script. Change uh, soon. Just just to like explain the rules of of this weapon, but but I think it works kind of nicely. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't you use that thing? You said it was the only thing that would kill him, and you didn't use it. Wrong composition. Doesn't work on human flesh. It's it's actually kind of a nice moment. I, if if we were doing that effect now with with in the whole digital world, we, we could have done it a whole lot better. It's a little like fairy dust, but but I think it it it, it, it works. Sure. And now now again, see we have. Uh, Beck walking and, and catching up, and now they walk together as a team. Now this is this is my attempt at bonding the two guys, sort of uh, in terms of blocking. Again, Michael's music, I think, is is very effective here. It's kind of very sparse, you know. So you, you know, as opposed to the kind of a blanket of uh, of, of uh, tense music, you can you can hear through it. And now, of course, they have to check out Brem. Is it him? Yeah. 
is going on? You see anyone leave this room? I don't know. Willis, he said he was going to get a medic. Beck, who did this to Masterson? Not Willis. I'm sorry. Not the only visible zoom in the picture? Probably. It, 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 it actually works, works well. We've also kept all the effects down here. It kind of has this slightly eerie, ominous quality to it. Uh, that This is the, the Park Plaza Hotel, which has been used as you know, hundreds of films. Just, just in case you you missed it, as uh, as as Willis gets to the top of the stairs, he does the little tongue thing too. And uh, he's he's a little stiffer than the other ones. I mean, uh, uh, in 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 terms of his his uh, body movement, that's the way he chose to play it. And I, I kind of liked it. Uh, you know, whereas 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 Bill Boyette, the old guy, was a little looser. Uh, he also did this. Uh, the actor Ed o. Ross did this little lisp, like sure, sure, that 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 he felt was part of the the difference that happened uh, when he uh, got taken over. Um, uh, all of this was was just a general move move through the uh, uh, through the hotel. Um, the stuff of the laundry room and the kitchen and all that was was added when we scouted the location and saw all these possibilities. So. Gee, it'd be fun to have a shootout in a in a big kitchen and in the laundry room. Uh, in the script, I believe it was just a men's room. Uh, here we have where uh, Beck realizes that Willis, who's his close, you know, who's his colleague, his his friend, his partner, uh, ex-partner, uh, actually shoots at him. But it's still hard for him to divorce the fact that. Uh, that, that there's this alien that's taken over Willis, even though he knows it intellectually, emotionally, he can't quite accept it, um, which is a very human, a very human thing. And uh, it's part of what makes Beck a good human uh, for, I have, all right, see, because, He tries to kill him. He gets a drop on him. And now this actually, this is a little thing that that, that Michael Nury came up with that I think is, is really very effective because uh, uh, in the script he just gets shot. But, 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 but here Michael has this moment where it's like, Cliff, don't, don't shoot me. I'm your, you know, and bang, he just gets it. And then I, 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 I shot it in slow motion and I, I, I I must have seen it in a, in a film somewhere, but I, I, I wanted these potatoes, these things just like falling in slow motion. 
around him. That's uh, good, strong emotional stuff here. Um, I mean, much, much stronger than is indicated in, in the script. Uh, this stuff in the laundry room also uh, wasn't scripted. We, we just decided, to, as I said, to turn it into a laundry room. Uh, now, of course, here's the idea. There's supposed to be this, this ambiguity about exactly what happened. Uh, the assistant doesn't really know what's happened because she can only just see the, the feet. And now, and now once again, uh, Lloyd has is, is just gotten there too late. Uh, he knows what's happened, but there's nothing he can... Nothing he can uh, uh, do about it for the moment. There's the look, the tongue. Uh, 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 but I think this time we see there's a, there's a sense of resolve now that he has. I think Michael's very Michael Nuri's very, very good here. Um, it kind of surprised me how real he was in this sequence of, um, of uh, being uh, mortally wounded. Is any motive been established as to why Detective Willis would want to assassinate Senator Holt? Lieutenant Flynn? The, depart the department is conducting an investigation, but at this time we have no motive. Yes, sir. Senator, do you still see know that guy? That's Buckley Norris, uh, who who's uh, sales film insurance. What's that, Senator? When he says, "I want to be president." He talks the same way that, that, that Bill Boyette talked right at the beginning. I mean, he's actually very, he's actually very good, this uh, Senator Holt. Little, little tongue thing again. I decided to do this all in slow motion. This is all cranked at 48 frames a second. Uh, for for a couple reasons. One is that I I didn't want it to happen too quickly, and I uh, I mean this this whole sequence would have would have been over in obviously half the time if I if I'd done it uh, uh, in normal motion. But I also kind of want to give it a little more weight, a certain certain kind of epic quality um, it's a nice nice little look before he gets the flamethrower now actually in the 
we had tried uh, getting another creature that would grow, that, that would come out and would grow in size, which we filmed. Here's a nice shot with Kyle in the middle and all these people surrounding him. Uh, uh, you have the, the, the dummy, the, the thing slithers out and, and that we had it, uh, we had quite a bit more of it here and, and it got, it got bigger and, uh, but it, it kind of detracted from Kyle's moment. So again, the, the less is more uh, works, works very well. Again, a, a wonderful moment after he, he, he kills it as opposed to triumph. It's just relief, sadness. Uh, you know, there's, there's no joy in it. Uh, so here's another scene. I mean, here we are in the hospital room. I mean, here's a place where, if this was on TV, this would be loaded up with music here. And we avoided that. People who have asked me what's really happening in the end here, so just just so there's no question about what we intended, or certainly what I intended, uh, Lloyd sees Beck is going to die. He's met Beck's family. He realizes that that they're going to lose that. He's lost. Lloyd has lost everything where he comes from. So he he makes this sacrifice. Um, he is the white light that comes out of his mouth. The body of Kyle McLaughlin is simply the vehicle that he's been driving around. So he transfers his white light, he reanimates Beck, gives the girl back her father, um, gives the wife back her husband. Uh, in terms of what it means to be human, he's now decided that it's he can't go back to where he, he went and he's going to be human. You know, it's it's not a bad thing. There there are good things to it, and he's and he's going to have a family now. The family that he lost, he he will now have Beck's family, and you know he makes that sacrifice. So I I I I find it's a a, a moving ending. And and the whole thing with with the little girl is that. She looks at her father and realizes that there's something different about her father. Whether she, I mean, I think that she recognizes whatever she recognized in Lloyd when she looked at him in the bedroom somewhere in the middle of the film when he was at, at the house. But it's it's not anything that she acknowledges, and 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 he, and 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 he knows it too. Now, in in the script, I. I was looking over Jim Kaff's original script, and and there's something that was in the script that I missed that I wish I had done, which is that before he before Lloyd transfers, he takes the gun, his special weapon, and puts it in Beck's dying hand, and then he does the transfer. And I wish I had done that. I I uh, totally.
forgot that that was ever in the script, but uh, it's a nice moment. What was the implication of it? Well, that, that, I mean, he's like passing the torch to, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just kind of saying, I'm, I'm going to do this before he does it, but you're not quite sure. And then, and then the transfer sort of confirms what that, uh, what that is. So, uh, you know, when he reaches out, see, she, she looks at him and she knows it's him. Uh, she knows that it's not her father. She knows that it's something else, but she takes his hand. It's the rare sci-fi horror picture that's influenced by Jean Renoir, but I do think that one of the strengths of this picture is the equal measure of humanism to the excitement and the beautifully directed action, and I think that the end proves especially that the strength of the picture is in its humanism, because it's, it is very moving at the end. Kathy's reaction, everybody's reactions at the end, Kyle's reaction when he finally destroys the creature, as you say, is a kind of a sadness and a release, you know, and a relief rather than any phony moment of triumph, you know, and it shows how the grounding of the film is, uh, is both in the action genre, you know, but also in the, in the uh, humanity of the film. Yeah. Right? You know, in, in, the, the, in, the, in the way that you could see the, f the film is resembling, I never cared much for the Phil Kaufman version, but the Don Siegel Body Snatchers made 30 years earlier, that film was so specifically about feeling versus lack of feeling, total self-centeredness and selfishness versus mm -hmm. any kind of caring for society. And this film updates that, perhaps almost unconsciously, um, with a sense that what's being equated here is love and caring for other people and humanism versus, you know, a much more modern conception of selfishness and power and, you know, yeah, I, just an unbridled, you know, need for self-satisfaction at the, at, 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 you know, at the cost of anything else or anybody else. I, I think you, you, you really expressed it very well. Uh, you know, at, it is a kind of a selfishness versus a selflessness that, that, uh, a, a kind of a, a hedonism, uh, uh, you know, when you think of the, the devil in a medieval sense, it's always, it's like gluttony and, and mm -hmm. sloth. It's the, it's, it's these sort of selfish, uh, things as opposed to, uh, uh, to the selfless. Uh, and I mean, everything that you say, I, 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 I totally realize I'm, I, I'm probably not not articulating, but I think maybe that's what gave me the notion of of the child. That that that, that that's that's certainly the way a parent is with a child. It, you know, if he's any kind of he or she's any kind of a parent, is there's a selflessness because it's certainly you, you can't be be selfish with yeah, a child. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you definitely saw the the level that it had to work on, rather than you know just smart talk between a husband and a wife. And uh, it gives the film its, uh, you know, a large measure of its of its soul. Yeah, it actually kind of. I mean, when I look at it, it it it, it kind of. Uh, I have to say, I'm I'm very pleased with the way it turned out. I'm I'm 
I'm pleased that I, I seem to have made a lot of very good decisions. Uh, again, I think the reason for that is is the script. I think that 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 the script was was just a really inspiring one to me, and uh, it kind of led me uh, to do what I did. Yeah, I mean I it's think, a it's a it's a good argument for doing away with the director's uh, possessory credit, or, or at least it ought to be shared with the writer. I mean, you know. Well, I'm glad Jim put his name back on this yeah, release. I'm, cer I'm certainly happy that, that Jim Kauf decided to take the credit where credit is, is due, finally.